2: There's a lot of misinformation on the internet, and when it lands in the wrong hands, it can have dangerous consequences, as we've seen with Pizzagate and the anti-vax movement, and time and time again, in this post-reality dystopian moment we call 2020. I Don't Mean to Scare You is a podcast where I, Jenna Friedman, talk to people who know what they're talking about, experts on some of the scariest topics out there, to get the facts and help us all feel a little less afraid, or at least a little less alone, ...and the things we should most definitely be afraid of. Our guest today is Dr. Amos Shadalja. He's got a ton of credits I could list, but I would run out of time if I did. A board-certified physician in internal medicine, emergency medicine, infectious diseases, and critical care medicine. He has served on various U.S. government panels regarding infectious disease guidelines... He's also published in such journals as the New England Journal of Medicine, the Journal of Infectious Diseases, Clinical Infectious Diseases, Emerging Infectious Diseases, and the Annals of Emergency Medicine. Dr. Dolja, am I missing anything? No, I don't think so. You sound so excited to be here, Dr. Adalja. Yeah, I am. So today we'll be talking about the novel coronavirus outbreak that originated in the Hubei province of Wuhan, China in December 2019. Uh, Dr. Daljo, what should we call this episode? I was thinking InfoWars or Fresh Air. Any thoughts?
0: I think InfoWars is better.
2: InfoWars.
0: Rhymes with SARS.
2: As of today, February 11, 2020, the virus has reportedly sickened more than 43,000 people. Over 1,016 have died. And while China's authoritarian government is implementing drastic measures to contain the virus, it's already spread to 24 countries and shows very little sign of slowing down. Is that correct? That's correct. And now it has a new name, COVID-19. Do you think the name COVID will help or hurt its chances of success? It's at the beginning of the alphabet, so that's always a positive.
0: I think that it's going to be successful no matter what we call it.
2: And for people who are listening to this because they're fans of my content or just want to hear my lisp but maybe somehow don't watch the news, let's give them a brief overview. What is coronavirus?
0: Coronaviruses are a large viral family that circulates normally in bats that spill into humans and can cause severe outbreaks. But it's important to remember that there are coronaviruses that we have every year that cause about a quarter of our common colds.
2: So the coronavirus is in the family of common colds.
0: Right. They're one of the causes of the common cold. But not specifically this coronavirus, but there are other ones that cause the
2: Is there cold. a world in which, and this is just my biggest fear— The information coming out of China isn't accurate. The incubation is like 24 days. And in three weeks from now, we could be seeing people dropping like flies.
0: I don't think that's that's a reasonable assumption.
2: And that's because...
0: Because we do know a lot about this virus, even though we have limited information from China and we want more information from China. We have multiple cases in over two dozen countries, and we are studying those cases, and we're seeing how mild this can be. COVID-19, novel
2: coronavirus, is airborne? And how does it spread?
0: No, it's not necessarily airborne. It is spread through respiratory droplets, so those are the particles that come out of your mouth or your nose when you sneeze and they fall to the ground by about six feet because of gravity. Airborne is something that happens, for example, with measles, where if you were in an elevator with measles and then I got on, the air would be infectious. For how long? For several hours.
2: Wow. So that's the difference between air vo- airborne versus like someone's snot just getting on you through the air.
0: Right. Yes. That's not airborne. Snot yes. falls to the ground. Airborne stuff doesn't fall to the ground.
2: How long, if someone if someone had like their corona snot, I'm just thinking out loud. So This is for science purposes. But if somebody just like put it in an aerosol can and spread corona all around a room, how long would it be in that room infectious
0: so well, that's different because now you aerosolized it that's that's, to- that's like a biological weapon so there all bets are off so then it can stay in the air for, for many hours but nobody but a
2: sneeze uh, is kind of that
0: no it's not, not like an aerosol can that's actually making an aerosol so that's why we talk. So when we talk about coronavirus being airborne, the only places where we really think it's airborne is in hospitals, where people are doing suctioning, where they're putting uh, tubes down people's throats, where they're giving aerosol drug treatments. All of that can aerosolize the virus, and that's why we're using airborne precautions in the hospital. But in general practice, it's not. the the These particles fall to the ground because they're too big to be suspended.
2: If a critical mass of people, like what we're seeing in Wuhan, have it, could it then just become airborne by just being by having so many people around coughing and having it, or no?
0: Not usually, because coughs have smaller particles. There may be some proportion that is airborne, but it's it's negligible. Not negligible, but it's not the main way that this is spreading from person to person. It's really respiratory droplets.
2: It seems like a lot of people are confused about a lot of things right now. Another thing people are talking about is the incubation of coronavirus. Um, I've, I've read anywhere from, you know, a week to uh, reports of someone not even knowing they have it for over 20 days. Can you talk to that?
0: The incubation period is probably about six or seven days for most people. The upper limit is probably 14 days. There are reports circulating of longer incubation periods, but those haven't been vetted properly in medical journals, and science is moving pretty quickly here, so I wouldn't be surprised if that gets walked back when you actually look at the data on those patients to see how they got infected and when they got infected.
2: So there are two schools of thought regarding this outbreak. Uh, One is that it's just like the flu, and... um, the other is a lot more catastrophic, like it's a global pandemic that is going to wipe out a large percentage of the population. Now, we know it's not just like the flu, and it's not smart necessarily to compare to the flu. And the flu this year is particularly deadly. It's already killed about 10,000 people. Is that correct?
0: on 12,000 people. Are 12,000 estimated people. And 78 children.
2: In our country alone? Yes, So if you're listening, get the flu shot like now. But the other thing is when you look at the footage coming out of Wuhan, it's hard to just, my mantra for the past week has been, it's just like the flu, it's just like the flu. And I know there's a lot of misinformation out there, but the information that's out there, you are looking at, at China's response and it doesn't seem like if it were just like the flu China would be responding in the way that they are. Can you talk about the response and how much of that is just trying to save face for botching the response early on and how much of that is responding to like a new virus and how much of that is um, warranted?
0: When SARS occurred, the Chinese government took a lot of criticism because they actually hid the cases, didn't allow it to be publicly known, and that really set the world back in the response, and most of the problems that happened with SARS were the result of the fact that the Chinese government wasn't forthcoming about this. So when they had this novel coronavirus, they were pretty quick to try and clamp it down. Uh, They shared the sequence pretty quickly, but then they kind of moved on to authoritarian measures. Do you think this new strain of coronavirus is
2: just like the flu?
0: No, I don't think it's just like the flu. It's obviously from a distinct family, and we don't quite know the severity. It actually may end up being less dangerous than influenza when we understand how many people are infected in the population.
2: And why do you think people aren't as worried about the flu? Is it just that the flu has like really good crisis PR, doing all this work behind the scenes, making it seem less scary than it should be?
0: People are familiar with the flu. They deal with it every year, and I think they don't really think much of it, so it's not something that they even factor into their risk. When something is new, they're much more likely to be uh, up in arms about it rather than something that they see every year and are warned about every year.
2: So when we look at updates on this novel coronavirus, um, I've seen headlines that that say that, like according to the New York Post, which again, maybe not bastion of journalism, but the New York Post recently reported that only 8.2% of people who have had coronavirus have been cured. Um, two questions. One, how are they defining cured?
0: So that definition has been changing. Sometimes that means that they have no fever for like 10 days. That's really unreasonable for using that as a criteria for cure. Some of it might be that they're testing for the virus and the virus has to be completely gone. The real definition of cure is this person has no symptoms and they can go on about their life. That's the real definition. But you have to remember that China is keeping these people in the hospital in order to isolate them more so than actually treat them with anything. So that's why these lengths of stays are very long compared to what we would do in the United States.
2: And can people who have it get it again?
0: Not in the short term. You do have this short-lived immunity with coronaviruses that lasts for uh, several months, probably. But you do get reinf- you can get reinfected with coronaviruses.
2: So unlike Ebola, for example, where people who had it and then survived join in the help like join in, you know, helping make sure that other people who have it are cared for. You can't really do that with coronaviruses. Now,
0: the immunity isn't sterilizing. We People get infected with coronaviruses multiple times during, uh, during their life.
2: There's been a lot of panic around asymptomatic carriers. Uh, it seems uh, people who don't feel sick can still spread the virus. Uh, is that true?
0: There's no clear evidence that people with zero symptoms can transmit the virus, but there is evidence that someone with mild symptoms, maybe they have a fever, that they are infectious, and it's sometimes hard for people to know whether they have very mild symptoms versus no symptoms. But coronaviruses in general don't have this asymptomatic spread that we see sometimes with influenza or with other common cold viruses. So
2: people reporting that, it's generally not accurate?
0: There's some anecdotal reports that need to be followed up. The paper that was published in the New England Journal had flaws in it because the woman is actually taking Tylenol because she didn't feel well, and she infected those uh, coworkers in Germany.
2: It's nice that they hired her, at least, you know what I mean? So many of the reports of the businessmen getting it, it's just because they're—they're more men have it, but I think it's because more men are working in those jobs. But, all right, that's a whole separate podcast. Okay, and I want to talk about conspiracy theories, but in a way that I, I just want to preface, anytime you kind of give any of these ideas oxygen, you're helping spread them, but there's something really interesting going on, specifically with this current outbreak. There's a lot of misinformation online, and it seems to have a lot of traction, and it seems to be increasing the panic around it, and also increasing stigmatization of Chinese and Chinese-American communities. And so I just want to kind of address a couple of the conspiracy theories and hear why they're bonkers. The first one is that um, this virus was... Uh, bioengineered in a lab as a chemical weapon. What are your thoughts on that?
0: There's no evidence of that. That's been a conspiracy theory from the beginning. Uh, There are labs in China, but there's no evidence that this came from a lab. This really looks very much like it came from an animal species into humans.
2: And the way you tell that is actually by looking at the virus under a microscope, and you can see how it was formed. Or how do you tell a crazy person who would tell you this conspiracy, how would you articulate that they're wrong?
0: You would look at the characteristics of the virus, and then you find the animal where it came from, and basically show that that's that this is a stable virus that came from that animal to humans, and that there was there was no one working on this type of virus that could cause that to happen.
2: And if it were bioengineered, you'd be able to tell from the structure of the.
0: You you may not be able to directly from the structure, but you have clues. Uh, there have been lab accidents that have led to outbreaks. So, for example, the nineteen seventy seven flu escaped from a lab and uh, from a vaccine trial, and actually started a flu a flu outbreak. So that does happen, but it there's no evidence that this is what's caused this outbreak.
2: So what can we do to stop the spread of the virus?
0: I don't think we can really stop the spread of this virus. It is spreading in communities very easily. It's something that we know about with respiratory viruses that once they have achieved community spread... They really aren't containable, so we really need to move from a containment mindset to a mitigation mindset and start worrying about how we're going to deal with the surge of patients that we may get, most of whom will have mild illness, but we need to get hospitals prepared. We need vaccines to be developed. We need to do antiviral clinical trials. I don't think we need to be quarantining people and doing travel bans anymore.
2: Some questions from Twitter. When is the earliest uh, this novel coronavirus could have appeared?
0: Likely in November. We know that the patient one got sick on December first, so that means he got it in November.
2: Masks on planes. Do you think that wearing a mask if you don't have coronavirus or any symptoms uh, can stop you from getting it?
0: No, not really. Most people don't wear masks well, and the best person, the best people to be wearing masks are those who are sick, not people that aren't sick.
2: So why is everyone in in China wearing masks? Because the their time?
0: government recommended it.
2: But it actually doesn't decrease the spread of
0: not really, because people don't wear them that well. They stick their hands underneath them, they touch their face, they touch their mouth, they touch their nose. That's not going to help you from, from doing it. And it's really creating this shortage issue with these masks, which we may need in the future.
2: But if you need the masks... If the masks don't work, why do people need them?
0: Because we use them in hospitals. Hospital workers need to wear those masks when they're taking care of patients. Uh, they're also wearing gloves and eye protection along with those masks. People who are sick that need to go out and do something, they wear that mask because they're sick and they're actually infectious. They wear that mask. And this is uh, th- that's who should be wearing the mask, not the people that are healthy that don't need them.
2: And people who are healthy and don't need them and are just wearing them, like they should definitely not be putting them on their cats and dogs, right?
0: Yeah, they probably don't fit very well.
2: But also... Cats and dogs wouldn't be able to even get coronavirus from humans if you coughed in their faces. Could they?
0: They might. Oh, coronavirus infect infects all kinds of mammals.
2: Oh, interesting. Sneezing into your elbow does that help?
0: Yes, because then you don't you don't shake hands with your elbow.
2: Handshaking then should we stop? Should we just do elbow taps?
0: No, I don't think that that's necessary. Just wash your hands and have proper common sense about it.
2: Do you think if someone created like a like bat turkey or monkey brainerky or some sort of vegan bushmeat, would that help curb the spread of infectious diseases brought on by eating wild animals?
0: Yeah, if there was vegan bushmeat, I think that would probably solve a lot of problems.
2: Do you think people would go for it? Do you think people would like the taste of vegan monkey brain?
0: I would try it. I like Beyond Burgers and Beyond Sausage. Do you think sausage. that's
2: a culturally insensitive joke I should edit from the podcast?
0: Yeah, I don't know who eats monkey brains, but brains in general are not probably something you should be eating.
2: Bat, bat turkey, bat turkey? Well, they
0: do, there is such a thing as bat soup.
2: So do you think vegan bat soup is something we should be selling?
0: It might have a market.
2: It's hard to find comedy around this stuff, it's so sad. Is, question from another Twitter user, at Jenna Friedman, is it safe for my mom to stay with me in New York City right now?
0: I don't know, what does your mom, what... Disease, what infections does she harbor?
2: Could she? Is it dangerous for boomers to stay with their millennial children in cities at this time?
0: Not. There's no risk from the coronavirus. Making. Making. I'm trying to trying to make it into a joke, but I can't do it no, quick enough. No, that's not your role. Yeah, you are. There, there's no the risk for that. There's no coronavirus risk for your mo- mother staying with you.
2: Why is the death rate apparently higher in Wuhan for coronavirus?
0: We don't know. It's another one of those mysteries. And it may be because people are coming to care late. It may be that they're doing uh, certain medical procedures that aren't uh, indicated. For example, giving patients steroids, which we know can make uh, respiratory viruses worse. It, it's a real it's a real uh, mystery to understand. Hopefully, the WHO team will figure out what's going on with the clinical care of those patients because it's such a disparity between the death rates there and anywhere else, in the, in, even in China and let alone the world.
2: When do you think we'll know how bad this really is and what the death rate really is?
0: It may take months because they really have to go out and test people who have mild illness, and they're not, even do, they're not doing that right now. The priority is to test the sickest patients. So until we know the true denominator, what the sea of people are that are infected, it's going to be hard to actually have any kind of confidence in the, the fatality rates because we know coronavirus has caused a huge spectrum of illness, and most of the cases outside of China are very, very mild.
2: Who primarily is at risk? Is it older people and people with pre-existing conditions and poor lung health? Like who Who is at most risk for this Virus.
0: Older people, people with other medical conditions, including immunosuppressing conditions like transplant patients, for example.
2: And then what about that doctor, the whistleblower who died? 34-year-old healthy guy. What's that about?
0: We can see people die from infectious diseases that look apparently healthy. I'm not sure exactly what his clinical, co- what his clinical course was. Maybe his, uh, he has some idiosyncrasies in his immune system that, uh, that led him to die.
2: Do you think it could have been like an Epstein scenario? Maybe he was killed? They,
0: I, I think that I think because of the way the Chinese government treated him, that's always going to be an open question now. And they could have prevented that if they wouldn't have treated him the way they did. Do you
2: think it's more likely that Jeff Epstein was murdered or that the whistleblower doctor was murdered?
0: I I don't know. I don't have a, no, no comment on that one. I don't know.
2: From any Laurie sixteen, that's Laurie Kilmartin. She's a friend and brilliant comedian. Her question is: Am I in particular going to die?
0: Every human will die.
2: Great. Why so much conflicting reporting from credible news outlets?
0: This is the early days of a, an outbreak, and there's a lot of conflicting information that's out there from different scientists, different physicians, and the media is always kind of playing catch-up with what's going on. And I think if you look at the science reporters and the health reporters, you will find much better uh, reporting than when you look at general general reporters who may not have all the nuanced science, scientific understanding needed to really sift through what's going on.
2: And the information coming out of China at this point is... Pretty accurate from a medical perspective.
0: It seems to be pretty accurate. What's coming, the general medical information. Obviously, we want more of it. We want the WHO and CDC on the ground uh, to really figure out what's going on. But so far, there's not been issues with the accuracy of the the information. The speed and the in the depth of it would all we often we often want more in an outbreak, but sometimes that's hard to come by.
2: Should people be going to public gatherings right now?
0: Where? Maybe
2: like in London, like a comedy show at the Soho Theater? Should people be going to my comedy shows? Yeah, people should be
0: going to your comedy shows.
2: And you know that for a fact because you've seen them? Yes. Okay. Got that, everybody? What if uh, it gets worse? What if there's more outbreaks? Should people be avoiding public gatherings in general? Is it safer to do that?
0: If it's widespread in a community, you may want to refrain from gatherings I don't think that the government should ban them like they've done, for example in China, but I do think that you have to think about it when there when there are um, outbreaks in a community
2: spraying the streets with whatever that like alcohol substances does is that does that help I don't think so so now even if this blows over, is that a would that be considered a pun no even if This is not, you know, it's already caused a lot of damage on a lot of levels, particularly just with the government overreacting in China and locking people in their homes. In general, though, um, how do we prepare for a pandemic?
0: It's a long process. You have to think about this ahead of time, and you can't really do this on the fly. It should be proactive, not reactive. So you have to actually fund... The research fund, the government agencies that are part of the, uh, the resiliency that a nation has to a pandemic. And we knew about SARS in 2003. We knew coronaviruses were scary and deadly. But yet we have no vaccine. We have no antiviral. So everything really falls when things get out of the headlines. The political will to actually solve these problems disappears.
2: And we're in really great shape because Trump just cut funding to um, global pandemic.
0: Support. Yeah, there's there's some concerns in the new budget that was released yesterday that there are funding cuts from certain programs that would be useful in the response to this novel coronavirus and other future outbreaks.
2: If coronavirus went to Washington, do you think that it would have an impact there?
0: Yes, if something's in someone's backyard, it's definitely going to have uh, an impact.
2: Just on older men?
0: Older men are disproportionately affected by coronavirus.
2: So do you think coronavirus is with her? Do you think coronavirus is a Klobuchar supporter? Did you hear about the conspiracy theory that Pete Buttigieg uh, created coronavirus?
0: No, I didn't hear about it.
2: Okay, I just, I'm starting it. It's not really helpful. What are the most credible sources online for information regarding coronavirus so you don't end up looking it up on Twitter and freaking yourself out every night?
0: The CDC website is is very good. Uh, the Center for Health Security, where the think tank where I'm employed has an extensive uh, an extensive webpage looking at the, all aspects of the coronavirus. That's another good source. There is a, a science reporting uh, company called Stat, which is owned by the Boston Globe, which is a really, really uh, top-notch uh, science reporting.
2: Uh, speaking of the CDC, I started following me would CDC director Tom Frieden. No, don't say that. I know. I, I'm saying it just to see how red your face gets. But I do want to say something in Tom Frieden's defense that might get me in trouble, and we could edit this. I looked into his allegations, and they're so seemingly bogus and he was such a rock star in the field but basically he forcibly you want me to not talk about it at all
0: no not about him I can't talk about you don't have to talk
2: about it I just want to talk to the seven people listening and just talk about this because I read it's all in the you can look up the police report but it was like a family friend who was at his house party or something uh, nine months later, alleged that he grabbed her butt as she was walking out the door um, behind the backs of both of their partners. He apologized. I'm not saying forcible touching is ever okay. That said, he was arrested for it. He lost his job. And you want me to just not talk about this?
0: He didn't lose his job.
2: He's not the head of the CDC anymore. Oh, because he didn't he lose admin- his job?
0: No, he wasn't the CDC director. When but he I was had- Okay, fine. He, he was, was
2: arrested up- for grabbing a woman's ass. I, I, and he has banned smoking in bar. You hate this.
0: No, I'm going to get yeah, You can't. I can't.
2: We can't talk about it.
0: I can't talk about it. I can't we talk about it We interact with him on, yeah.
2: I started following him on Twitter.
0: That's good, but I, but I interact. On Twitter, we, you can't we, we, grab anyone fast. I, I,
2: <laughs> I know. We can't talk about it. Aww. Well, it's a touchy subject. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the only thing funny in the episode. I'm going to have to cut it because it's just inappropriate. But, <laughs> all right, Dr. Adalja, let's talk about your experience as America's premier pandemic media whore. How's it been going? It's tiring. How many inquiries do you get a day?
0: Probably 40 to 50.
2: 40 to 50 inquiries about this novel coronavirus. Yep. COVID? Yeah. It's not COVID?
0: And it kind of rhymes with ARVID. Okay. Like COVID, like spelling.
2: What is the weirdest interview you've had besides this one?
0: It's a National Enquirer. And why? They were misinterpreting a study uh, that resulted from a tabletop exercise that we were involved in where um, we made a prediction that was just a fictional prediction about a coronavirus outbreak, and they were taking that as the the, the truth about what was happening with this coronavirus, and we had to really... uh, Push back on that uh, on that misrepresentation of our work and uh, so the they,
2: National Enquirer misrepresented you
0: yes the, they did
2: if you had told them that the virus was Trump they would have paid you not to even talk about it hopefully who else have you spoken to in terms of the media about this and what are they what do they seem to get wrong
0: I've talked to almost every major outlet that you can imagine on on this and I think that they they don't get it wrong. I think they have a hard time understanding the severity and the differences of what's going on in China versus here. Some people in the media don't have the context of understanding that coronavirus is caused the common cold, uh, and that we we've dealt with coronaviruses before. That there's seasonality. Um, I got a lot of inquiries today because the president talked about this ending in April, and they wanted to fact check that. Which and that's probably true that it will it will end in the in the spring in the temperate parts of the world, in the Northern Hemisphere. So you hemisphere.
2: think that this new coronavirus is just like a flash in the pan?
0: No, it's not a flash in the pan. It's going to be a repeat flash in the pan.
2: The Billy Eilish of viruses.
0: <laughs> no, I think, it will, um, I think it will taper off as we get into spring, into summer, and then it may become one of our seasonal coronaviruses that we deal with every year until we get a vaccine. How
2: can we help people in Wuhan and elsewhere? who are suffering either with this virus or under authoritarian regimes making people's lives hell right now.
0: I think it's important that people call out the Chinese government for what they're doing, that these quarantines are not correct and that they're making things worse. And I think that's the only thing we really can do right now is to make the Chinese become embarrassed about their actions with their, with, their, with their population.
2: What should we be worried about?
0: If you ask me to think about pandemic threats, the biggest one is avian influenza. There is a strain called H7N9 that has a very high mortality rate. That's like in its sixth wave of of infections in China. It's it's died down a little bit, but that's really scary because if one of those flu viruses got the ability to sustain human-to-human transmission, it would really be uh, a calamity for the world. Remember 1918, influenza basically killed 50 to 100 million people and had a 1% mortality rate. So we know that flu viruses are the top of any pandemic list.
2: And if this were as bad as something like that, we'd already be experiencing it left and right? Like we'd already feel it, right? or no? Yeah, the
0: mortality rates would be much higher. We wouldn't be seeing uh, the same level of, of mild illnesses outside of China if this had that capacity.
2: And what is the mortality rate right now for uh, novel corona?
0: The ones you'll see quoted are around 2%, but remember those are based on a... Testing that's done at hospitals and healthcare facilities. So it doesn't count in the denominator people who have mild illness that don't go to hospitals or healthcare centers. You can't even test for it in the United States unless you have lower respiratory tract symptoms. You can't, if you just have a runny nose, you're unable to be tested for this.
2: So you think that the uh, mortality rate is under 1%? Yes. Wow, that's bold. Um, you do ha- know what you're talking about. So in the event of something really pandemic y, what do you do? Just run for the hills? Just run for like a place without people, if you can find one.
0: That's what people did historically. If you look at like the Black Death, people left the cities and went to the countryside. I don't know that we would do that today. Hopefully, we would be preparing and, and having vaccines and things rolled up, re- rolling out as this was uh, happening. But I think you're going to see public if a real severe pandemic. I think there will be major public public disruption, and people will flee uh, areas. This even happened during Black Death or the black death but not even in the modern era when there was plague outbreaks in the 1990s in India people left the city and ran for the hills.
2: People are talking about how this virus can be on surfaces for multiple hours or days or weeks like do you think it's still okay to, to purchase goods from places in China?
0: I do think it's it's okay to purchase goods from places but in about China.
2: morally if they're made by kids.
0: Well, that's a different question.
2: Chinese-American restaurants, people should be eating at them, right? Right. Because That's their good. chances of getting coronavirus are the same as any other restaurant in America. Right. Any other predictions with this current
0: coronavirus? I think the damage that people are going to do based on their overreaction to this virus is going to be worse than what the virus does.
2: If I had it, would you? you'd probably get it right now, right?
0: Yeah, we're we're six feet apart.
2: So it's what about if you were like seven feet? It's just about six feet. That's how how far can snot fly?
0: Exactly. Like the parabola.
2: Is that a um, good idea for a children's book?
0: Probably, yeah. Okay.
2: Special thanks to Dr. Amos Adalja for sharing your knowledge and your time with us. Adam Sachs and everyone at Conoco, Houston Snyder, Ian Steins, John Flores and the team at Great City Productions, my boyfriend Josh Epstein, who will hopefully write music for the next episode, and our sponsor, Princess Cruises, the world's premier carrier of novel coronavirus and awarded most likely to spread it according to Cruise Travel Magazine. Sign up for any one of their cruises around Asia in the next month and you could get up to 40% off plus kids eat free. Princess Cruises, a horror movie on water. Any last words?
0: I don't have any, no, no last words. It's not the It's. this is going to continue for some time, so that all.
2: The podcast or the virus? Do you think probably the podcast both. or the virus has a greater likelihood of, of longevity?
0: I think the virus probably has the speed. Yeah, I agree with you.
2: <sighs> Thank you so much. I'm Jenna Friedman, and this has been I Don't Mean to Scare You.